You're listening to the Northfield Podcast with your host, Caleb Gordon, where faith, family, and culture all collide with a biblical worldview. Hang on and buckle up. You're about to enter the Northfield Nation. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Northfield Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Gordon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be a part of the program today. So excited that you're here with us. Listen, Coming up February 24th, we've got the Built to Conquer Conference at the historic Constantine Theater in Pawhusky, Oklahoma. Tickets are only five bucks. Five bucks. Like, that's super cheap. You can get them online at constantinetheater.com. We would love to see you at this event. It's going to be an amazing event. We've got six different speakers are going to be there. The idea that, that the gospel penetrates the culture and invades dark spaces and that we as Christians are built to conquer Man, we'd love to see you there. February 24th, that's a Saturday. Doors are going to open at 8 a.m. And we're going to go to the conference is done. And looking forward to seeing you all there. Um, Come check it out. The Built to Conquer Conference. All right. So on the program today, I've got my friend Stuart Amadon. And he is um, the founder of Page 50 and is a, a, a Christian content creating platform. He's also a church planner in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, He started the Tactics Conference, just a great guy. We met at a conference in uh, October, and we've just become friends over the last several months. Just a great guy. I pray that this conversation, we're going to talk about church planning. We're going to talk about the need for men to get engaged and activated in the church, the the need to make church masculine again, and and the ideas of what it looks like to, to that we're built to to conquer. So I'm so excited that he is on the podcast today, and I pray that this conversation blesses you and encourages you this week. Welcome to the Northfield Podcast, Stuart Amadon. How in the world are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, buddy. How you been, Caleb? Just living the dream one more time, I, I think. Uh, is, <laughs> that's the last I checked I was, so things are going well. Still counts. Still yes. counts. Yeah, that's great, man. Still we counts. got to meet uh, at Fight Laugh Feast, wasn't it, this past sure year? Did. That's where we got to hang out? I, I have done a, I feel like I need to redo and have and re put a whole title of series of people I met at Fight Laugh Feast because I have done <laughs> a boatload of uh, conversation podcasts with different people I've met at Fight Laugh Feast. Um, just it's been wild. So God has opened awesome. so many doors to meet so many brothers, and I have I have loved this. So, um, it has been fantastic. Um, Okay, so Stuart, tell us what you were there as a as a sponsor of Fight Laugh Feast. You guys yes, sir. are neck deep in media content creation. You just finished up the tactics conference. I'd love to talk about that. Um, yeah. Talk talk about what uh what what do you what have you been doing, man? Yeah, so uh I'm a pastor church planter in southwest Louisiana. We've been down here for 10 years. Um, doing the church plant thing. Um, we planted as an SBC church about 10 years ago. Um, church was called Christ Church. The name of our town is Opelousas, so it's Christ Church Opelousas. And um, about uh, four years ago, five years ago, I can't remember exactly when, um, myself and some of the other pastors on staff started to become convinced of uh, infant baptism. And so we said, hey, um, we think it would be a good idea for us to start moving more in this direction, which we were always friendly to Presbyterians. You know, we had, I would make fun of them. That was my job. You know, I'd be like, you guys are crazy baptizing your babies. And then um, we uh, voted on it as a church and the vote passed. And now we're what we call a dual practice church. 
And so we planted SBC. So um, I say you're still Baptist? Well, technically, yes. In fact, I was talking to, I think I was talking to William Wolf, and William Wolf was like, hey, man, can you still vote? And I was like, well, I, I mean, I think technically we can. He was like, you've got to come to the next meeting. it was a funny conversation but yeah so technically we're still baptist um i don't think they're gonna let us stay obviously um and so we're kind of trying to figure that phase out whatever the next phase of our uh church life is but yeah about um seven years ago i don't know if you know this caleb but church planners don't get paid a lot um, no, in fact, no, they, not, no, not much at all. My dad was a church planner. Uh, he he didn't. Yeah, he he was the public works director for his real job. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. There you go. So seven years ago, um, seven years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, I don't know, something to kind of help supplement our income, and that was um, page fifty. Uh, and we do marketing and media production, and the Lord's blessed. And now we have um, somewhere around 15 employees um, in various capacities. Some are contract, some are part-time, some are full-time. And then um, we've been doing work uh, for about seven years or so. And we work primarily with companies that operate somewhere between um, half a million and $10 million of annual revenue, total annual revenue. Um, We work with larger companies than that. Uh, for very specific things and we work with smaller companies than that for very specific things but that's the that's kind of the bulk of our thing we just kind of help companies promote themselves learn how to promote themselves do a lot of content production for them nice social media work all that kind of vibes but yeah it's been good the lord's been good he's blessed it um and now i have lots of things going on and i'm also maybe this is the thing of like being a church planter um I think probably a good way to refer to oneself as a serial starter. Like I can't stop starting things. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, and so that was tactics, you know, tactics was an idea that we got, um, I don't know, maybe about eight or 10 months ago. Uh, we said, what if we did a conference here? And I know, um, Gabe and Toby and Knox, cause we do, we do work for them. We do media production for them. Yeah. And I just reached out to him and I was like, Hey, um, what do you think? What would it take to get you guys to South Louisiana? You know, because not many come down here either. It's not right. exactly like a great stop on the tour circuit or whatever. Right, right. Uh, but they very graciously agreed to come. And so, and then I uh, sent a Facebook message to Chris Wiley and I was like, hey, Chris, you want to come to South Louisiana? And he was like, sure. Isn't it wild? How social <laughs> media wild. is wild. It's it crazy. was wild. I, I was like, I could be an axe murderer. Like, you don't know. And he's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll come down there. No problem. So he showed up and bought a play ticket and came on. So anyway, uh, it was a great conference. Uh, I think a lot of people got things out of it. The goal of our tactics conference, we want to do an annual conference um, to kind of unite the Gulf South on the greater mission of Christ and the nice. building of his kingdom. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. We had folks show up from West Texas, um, Florida, Oklahoma City, um, from all over the place, you know, yeah. Mississippi, Alabama, um, and then a lot of Louisiana folks because it was in Louisiana showed yeah. up. So it was, it was great. You know, we had That's a great fun. time. So. Yeah, I live in Oklahoma, so it, I, I'm not. Oh, yeah, I'm not too far. I'm in Bartlesville, uh, which oh, nice. is north of Tulsa. And uh, after after Fight Laugh Feast, I mean, I was just really because he and I've and I've told a lot of people this uh, that have been on the show I, I I loved being around a bunch of post millennials like they're they're fun to hang out Amen. with and they're just Amen. 
I, I'm a pre. I, I've, I've What's always up with all the, these dead gum happy people? I know, right? I'm a, yeah, right, right. I've always been in the camp of the pre-tribulation rapture, folks. That's typical Southern Baptist, right? And, and so, right, right, right. Hanging out and and historically, that group, even though we believe that Christ is going to 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 come back, we have this terrified. Uh, oh my gosh, we're all gonna die! You know, as yeah, soon as something. Right. Right. Mark of the Beast is around the corner. It's coming. It's coming. Right. So I've always been that in that mm-hmm. same camp and didn't hang out for a week almost with with folks that that are optimistic about the return of Christ in setting up his kingdom and that we get to play a part. I was like, yeah, I like this. I like this. A lot. <laughs> Let's and, go. And it's oh my goodness. And so I got back and I, and I, I talked to a couple of my buddies. We're hosting our first we're calling call it the built to conquer conference uh on the yeah. of of february and man i that's that was that was all birthed out of fight laugh feast i, I blame it all on on those guys it's all their those fault. guys yeah that's those hilarious. guys they're all God, it's all their fault can't trust those guys who what are y'all who's coming what are you doing so we've got so we're basically got six speakers and and they're um we're going to have the, the idea is just that, that God's placed us in this moment for such a time as this. Um, these are all l- relatively local pastors. Um, awesome. Uh, Brett Baggett. I don't know if you know Brett or not. He's um, he is with um, the, the abolitionist movement here in Oklahoma. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He's a pastor in Muskogee. Uh, my friend, Josh Sterner, who is, I'm sorry, Nick, golly, Nick Sterner. Um, who is the pastor at First Baptist Copan, Josh Eaton, who's the pastor of Cross Point Baptist Church up in Caney, Kansas, just right literally across the border. Um, I think Josh Eaton and I are Twitter buds. Yeah, I think I you are too. to remember that name. Yep, Josh is a great guy. Uh, he and I have been friends for years and years and years. Um, and then Chris Gore, who's the pastor down at First Baptist Beggs. And then Peter Johnson, who is the pastor at um, Hope Presbyterian here in Bartlesville. And it's just a full day of... Oh. Um, us talking about God. Uh, it, the the title is "Built to Conquer Conference: The Power of the Gospel in a Broken Culture," and, and so that's the idea. It's just let the guys freely run with the topics that they want to cover or the texts that they want to preach out of. Um, yeah, but, but it's but it it it, it fight laugh feast sort of kind of gave me that. Just man, we should we are built to conquer. God's built, especially Amen. God has built men to conquer, to step into spaces that are dark and to bring light and, and to, to, to do what God has called us to do. Um, not by our own strength and not our own power, but by the power of the Holy spirit and, and founded upon the word of God. We, we are built to do bigger things than just show up on Sunday mornings. So um, yeah. that, that's, the that, that's the plan and goal of the conference. So that um, sounds great. When I saw your tactic conference, I was like, I oh, mean, that sounds a lot like something, you know, that we're, you know, just, just how to, yeah. the how to, how to, how to, how to get in there and actually do something because you can, you, you get a lot of information at conferences and then you're like, I, that's what I loved about fight, laugh, feast is they, they talked about it during the sessions. And then in the evenings, that, that idea of coming together in community and talking about, um, you know, what it looks like to, to, to branch out and find network with other Christian businessmen and, and step into space, yeah. expand God centered, Christ centered, um, commerce in, in the community. Yeah. So I, I that. it's such a great deal. Yeah. Tactics was great because it was kind of, it was our introduction 
um, to ever doing a conference. And so we, we left it kind of general. So it was yeah. more like um, we want to talk about advancing the cause of Christ and we want to give you some very practical steps to do it. And we, so we talked about household, business and civil spheres. And we just kept it right there. Yeah. Uh, and and then we did we did a panel on the front end to kind of say, here's where we're going. And then all the guys did their talk on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and then Saturday evening, we did another panel as a cross politic live show. Yeah. And we said, okay, we got a few more questions. Let's flesh out where we've been. And I found that was a great, just kind of walking through all the details model of, of how to make it work well. And so I was, I was encouraged, but um, yeah, no, I think the event went well. Um, I think everybody left with some, some good stuff and, and we've had, you know, great fruit down here as a result. Uh, yeah. A lot of our men are lined out, ready to go. They understand more of what the mission actually is and how to accomplish it. And um, awesome. I, I think that it was, you know, it's kind of like you just go in an incubator for 48 hours. You just kind of plug in, you lock in, um, you soak in it for a little while and you come out the other side more mature and ready to go. So I was, I was, I was, uh, very pleased with that. Very pleased. And then I think that that is something that we as Christian men should do on a regular basis. I, last year was sort of kind of a big year in, in that realm for me. And I've, I've all, cause I've always been a bivocational pastor. I've always been, I've always had a day job and, and I, I've never been able to get access to go to conferences and do things like that. Mm. Now Mm. that I've gotten into the sphere where I have a, I work for a great company that, that, that is just, they love the Lord. The owners love the Lord. And they just, they, they have a desire to pour into their people. I've been able to go to a couple of different conferences this last year. I went to um, obviously fight left feast where you and I were at. Uh, But right before that, I went to Dr. Steve Lawson's expository preaching Academy in Oklahoma. Oh yeah. And did yeah. that for three days. And man, I came, you talk about, man, I was fired up. I, I was already in <laughs> love with expository preaching. And that's, that's my, that's my wheelhouse. That's what I do. I just go, yeah. I don't, I don't pick a subject or a series. I just say, Hey, we're going through the book of first and second Timothy. Just buckle up. I don't know how long we're going to be there. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> hold on, here we go. Right. Yeah, that's it. And we, we started in July in in First Timothy and we're we're in Second Timothy uh chapter three this weekend. So so that's nice. you know that's like our uh we do we do exposition, but we do it on, on smaller groups of text at a time. So like okay. right now we're doing Psalm twenty three nice. and we're walking through Psalm twenty three. Um we did the Beatitudes before that. So you yep. know it's just smaller chunks of text at a time, walk through the Beatitudes. Uh. Um and my Wednesday night Bible study, we're doing uh, creation in the fall right now. So that's, it's a little bit different and it's Bible study. So it's stupid slow. So I think by the end of three months, we might have finished chapter two, you know, like maybe, I don't know. It depends on how the rest of things, technically I'm starting chapter three tonight, but we'll just have to see if we actually finish it or not. Yeah. But that's just been, um, it's been good. It's been good. Here's what I tell my people. Here's what I tell my people. It's not that I can't preach fast enough. It's that y'all can't listen fast enough. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, man, that's, um, so what, as a church planner, as, as, as a guy that's been actively involved in seeing um, these things come to fruition in your sphere, in your local community, what is the key uh, or what do you think the key is to, to the success of your church plans? 
And obviously, we know it's the Holy oh, Spirit. We wow. know it's we know it's the Lord Jesus. Um, that is ultimately who makes this thing tick and work. But in your yeah. certain area, what are you doing? So let me tell you what we did uh, that didn't work. Okay. And then I'll tell you why I think it didn't work. And then I'll say what we're doing and why I think it's the right way to do it and why it's effective. So whenever we initially planted, um, we were your typical event-driven programmatic church. Whenever I say that, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. No, we, 100% understand. We hosted community events. We had uh, ministries for people to get connected to, whether they were group ministries or student, you know, young young adult ministries or whatever. We we did that, which was hilarious because we, was, we were a church of like, I don't know, 75 people with four different groups and ministries that people could get connected to. And it was like, this seems wrong. You know, I remember whenever we had so many things going on so many nights a week, um, it, it was so taxing. And all the while I was thinking like, I, this can't be right. And I remember I talked to a buddy of mine who was a pastor and had been a pastor for longer than me. And I kind of told him what my schedule was. And he said, he said real plain to me, he was like, Oh, you need to get your house in order. And I was like, Oh crap. What is, what does that mean? I mean you know? Yeah. And he, he basically said, you're gone from your family like three nights out of the week. And that's wrong. You can't do that. And uh, he, and it was, it was one of those nights was inevitably going to be counseling. The other one was a recovery group that I was running. And the other one was just our normal uh, midweek uh, community groups is what we called them at the time uh, that we met. And I was like, dang, you're right. That's too much. And so from there, I started adjusting, you know, changing kind of the model. Now I didn't have it all figured out then. Um, but then whenever you turn the programs off, the people who came for the programs start to disappear a little bit over time. Um, and then it was probably about four years ago, I'd say, um, where we started to understand more about how the Lord works covenantally with his people. Um, so covenantally as in like... Um, God judges as nations, God judges as households, um, God judges uh, based on the leaders of nations and households, um, and how he keeps his promises throughout generations. And one of the primary institutions that God creates on the earth is his family, right? Um, it's okay. it's the family, okay? So the yeah, family, absolutely. like uh, husband, wife, kids, that's like building blocks of society. Um, civil organizations, nations exist based on families existing, um, yep. parishes, counties, you guys call them counties. We call them parish, um, counties exist based on families. Cities exist based on families. Um, if you don't have a family, you don't have anything else. And a switch just flipped in my head, probably, like I said, I don't know, four years ago, somewhere, three years ago, somewhere around there, a switch just kind of flipped in my head of I'm doing all this stuff when really there's one group that I need to be targeting if I want to reach the entire church effectively. And that's the men. Mm. I need to go after the men. Now we had men's Bible studies up to this point, you know, like we always had men's Bible studies. It was, a, it was a thing that we just had. It was at like 6 AM people came, participated, you know, whatever. But I didn't have something that was intentionally going after men as heads of households um, and empowering them to do so. And so when that switch flipped, I said, all right, that's what I'm doing. I'm chasing guys from now on. I'm, I'm going to disciple the men. That's where I'm going to spend the vast majority of my time. Okay. Fantastic. And so I did. And then I, I also um, 
around that same time adopt the adopted the principle of um just because the wheel's squeaking doesn't mean it always needs grease okay uh, this is i think is another temptation for pastors and church planters is that um there are squeaky wheels in the church that uh demand your attention yep but don't always warrant your attention you know you you've only got so much time in the day mm-hmm. and I, I, we, it gets to a point where you have certain folks in the church and you're trying to bring them along and you're trying to bring them along and you're trying to bring them along and they're not producing fruit, but you have this, this other sheep over here than your flock that seems to be fruitful and headed in the right direction. They just need a little push. Yep. Okay. So uh, around that time, I also understood that I need to be spending my time with the people in our church that are being fruitful. And when I say fruit, I'm talking about the fruits of repentance and confession. Sure. Yep. Um, and yep. spending less time trying to make people repent, <laughs> you know, like, like, like beating them in the head with the scriptures and being like, I've said this to you 20 times, you know? Oh um, gosh. Yes. And, yes. And so, so whenever I finally started understanding those two, I would call that second one more just like kind of following the prompting of the Holy spirit. Um, and I don't mean like a hum shamalaka prompting. I mean, like, look what the Lord is doing in this person's life. Yeah. Yeah. Something's obviously happening. I'm going to push harder in that direction with them. And so whenever I started doing those two things, um, the culture of our church dramatically shifted almost like within a month. We were ah, tell, just tell me, tell me how, because I'm, I'm I'm genuinely interested in this, uh, how you're saying this, because this is this is something that that I as a pastor would would like to hone in on that. that just go. Ahead yeah. And- so the well, the culture shifted because um, we read some books, you know, and I can give you a book list, you know, like I would recommend Mike Foster's It's Good to Be a Man. I would recommend C.R. Wiley's Household and the War for the Cosmos, uh, C.R. Wiley's Man of the House. Um, that's partly why we got C.R. Wiley to come to this past Texas conference was because of those books. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, other things out there that are helpful. Doug Wilson has a lot of books that are written on the topic of parenting and fatherhood and all that different stuff. So I would I would fill your shelves with those and give them out like candy to your people. But a couple of those, like Michael Foster's book um, and like C.R. Wiley's book, would be helpful to read as a group, I would recommend. Um, yeah. But what I noticed immediately is... First off, our men started taking responsibility more Mm. because there was a culture that we were building of uh, accountable masculinity. Um, In other words, uh, being able to say to other men, your environment is what you've made it. And if you need it to be different, then make it different. You know, God's given you work to do. So do the work. And if you're not doing the work, you need to repent and do the work. And keeping keeping them in mind in line with, you know, what their first priorities are, which is, you know, the Lord and serving him, their family and and being with them and protecting and providing with them and taking care of their wife. And the the state of their home is their responsibility. No matter what that state is, they're the covenant head of that family. Amen. So whatever is going on inside of that household is is on them. Um, They need to be the ones out in front, setting the culture, driving the way. And it's easy. You know, what did Adam say? That woman you gave me, if I just had a different woman, then this would be a lot easier. Well, you don't. You got to dance with the one that, that you brought. And so, and even deal if with you it. get a different one, it, she's going to be just as difficult. <laughs> period. <laughs> like, let's go, man. Quit. And so, I, I think that that was the first thing that shifted was a mindset of men who took responsibility. 
yeah. who knew that this is what the Lord's calling me to do. And there was a culture where everybody knew that if you were doing a bunch of nonsense, um, folks were going to tell you it was a bunch of nonsense. And and you kind of have to build that, you know, yeah. like you, you have to build that culture of, of camaraderie and correction um, to where nobody minds getting their toes stepped on. That's a masculine trait. You know, men yes. pick on each other, men fight, you know, um, men punch each other in the nose and then they go buy the other one a beer, you know, like that's, that's normal masculine behavior. Um, I think that we've feminized men so much. We've taught them to behave like in their feelings and their emotions um, and that they should let their feelings, their emotions guide and dictate them. Whereas that's, that's never been how no. men have actually worked. You know, men, it's not helpful. No. Well, men, men by and large, that's the, one of the prevailing differences between a man and a woman is a man can fight literally with you. And then 15 minutes later, y'all can watch the game and slap each other on the back and, and, and you're fine. Yep. You know, women typically don't work that way. If they had a fight, they're still thinking about it three days later, you know, sometimes even 50 years later. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's this, there's this need to cultivate um, a masculine uh, presence in the church and the church, you know, by and large needs to feel masculine. Um, like the, the way that you orient your work, like no more, Jesus is my boyfriend songs. You know, if we need more, afraid to war declaration to songs. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Don't be afraid to sing the hymns. Don't be afraid to sing the songs. You know, we, we started a Wednesday, our Wednesday night Bible study. We, for 30 minutes before we do Bible study, we just sing hymns and Psalms. Uh, I have a, a music background. And so I teach, I've taught choirs and stuff like that before. So I'll pick a song. I'll teach everybody how to sing it and we'll sing it together for a little while. And, and I intentionally pick um, war songs, you know, like I intentionally pick songs that are like, that are masculine in their nature. Now we sing, we sing pretty songs too, you know, don't get me wrong, but the majority of what I'm doing is um, like Psalm two um, smash their teeth. You know, why did the heathen nation rage? You know, like that's, that's where I'm really going for because that's part of the overall masculine culture that we're, that we're still in the process of building. Um, but the Lord has blessed us tremendously in building it so far. So after I realized those two things, the culture of the church shifted again, very quickly, very, very quickly. Um, and began and, and all the men, all the men went from being maybe a little engaged to being on the team, like almost overnight. They right. were just, they were locked in, ready to go. And it was because we realized that we were, we were functionally feminizing the men for the last, you know, however many years. Yeah. Um, and the American church at, at large has been doing they have. This, feminizing the men, which is why men don't want to go to church. And you know, it, they don't want. A hundred percent. And if you look at the statistics, like this is the thing that drove me in, and in, 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 in I've done, I've always done men in, men's ministry for years, but now I'm a senior pastor, and I've I've tried to push that idea of of masculine church. Mm. We ninety three percent of the time when the man is engaged and activated for for the Lord Jesus Christ, ninety three percent of the time the family follows. Yep. If the yep. child is the one that's engaged first, which that is where the majority of churches have punched in is youth and children's ministry. We've got to have those youth and children's programs. I'm not necessarily against them, 
but they're not they're not the thing that's working because the statistics show that if the kid is one for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the family follows three percent of the time. So what yeah. we're in essence doing is we're yeah. building a glorified babysitter so that mom and dad get a Wednesday night or a Sunday off, and we yeah. don't push out say, Dad, get your backside to church and bring your family. Get engaged in the church and the mission of the yeah. church. We we just sort of kind of saying, well, we'll 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 watch your kids on Wednesday nights for a couple hours and and on Sundays for a few hours. You do what you want to do on Sundays. No, 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 no. Stop yeah. with that. And you need to 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 push out uh, the idea yeah. that that may, the father leads and the family is going to follow. So yes. well, I I would if you if you would allow me to provide you with a based take uh, just real fast. Yeah. Yep. Um, We've got about nine minutes left on this thing. So yeah, go for it. Okay. So I would say um, my, my next piece of advice to anybody who's a church planner out there or a pastor, uh, and they're trying to create this kind of culture in their church is um, turn your youth and children's ministries off, turn them off and um, tell your people over and over and over again, that they are responsible for their children. Um, tell the fathers that. Just say it again and again and again. Deuteronomy 6, you are responsible. You are responsible for raising these children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And you're rising up and then you're laying down. That's your job. That's your job. And put it squarely at their feet. Just so, And let them feel it too. Like we have, um, we, we did little youthy things for a little while. And we have a nursery. Don't get me wrong. Like every now and then somebody's got a screaming kid that's sure. you know, four years old and they need to, they need to go hang out somewhere else for a little bit in order to get their, get their head put on straight. Okay. You know, whatever we got, a, we got a nursery for stuff like that. Yeah. But we also have a church just full of families that worship together and full of fathers and mothers who are taking the call to disciple their children very seriously. I think the, um, culture that we have built with our children's and and youth ministries has um, superseded the biblical calling of the family. Um, it's the family's job to raise up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not the church. And so therefore, the family is the one that's actually equipped to do it effectively. So right. if your ministry, um, for example, if if you're putting all your apples in the cart of a ministry to students who um, who only like an after-school tutoring program, for example, and you're only putting all your apples into that cart. I think that's a poor use of your resources because you don't, you're not equipped for that. You're not their parents, you know? Yeah. Instead, I would say, go after mom and dad and go after them hard and do your best to try and serve them and win them because with them will come the kids. And if you get dad, like you said, if you get dad on the team, the kids are coming. Amen. I, I've seen families change completely mm. because dad was on the team. Yep. Dad started following Jesus and he said to all his kids and his wife, hey, we're going this way. And you know what? There might have been some fighting involved at first, but, but they came. But they came. Even the rebellious ones came. Amen. Like it's there's a strong dynamic here. So anyway, there's my tiny rant. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, brother, thank you so much. So if somebody's interested in getting a hold of you, if, if they're needing help with social media stuff or they need to, oh. you know, they want to, they want to hear about church planning, where do they, how do they get a hold of you? Where do they find you? Um, well, I'm on all the socials. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Amidon, S-T-U-A-R-T-A-M-I-D-O-N. 
Um, they can also find uh, my business website is page50pageffty.com. Um, and you can also find our church website, uh, which you know, if there's us and then there's our sister church in Lafayette. We share one website and it's wearechristchurch.com. So there you go. There's all the ways Fantastic. that they can find me. I love it. Well, brother, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come and talk to us about these things that I think are needed in the church. And I believe that this can encourage and equip um, church churches and pastors to lead their flocks well. So thank you so much for, for being a part of that. Amen. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate you. Three, two, one.